So church, what is prayer? What is prayer after all? You know, sometimes we have that question, like, why do I need to be talking to God? I mean, I think of Psalm 139, like, God knows when I stand up, when I'm going to sit down. God knows the thoughts in my head, the intentions of my heart already. He knows the words I'm going to say before I say them. So, why do we need to talk to God? Why prayer? Why does God want us to talk to him? You know, we've been in this upper room series where we've been looking at Jesus in this moment, in this second story room, the night before he's going to be crucified and the things he's choosing to communicate to his disciples have been life-giving truths. And three different times here in the upper room, he's talked about our need to pray. He's invited us to pray. If, if you open your Bibles to John chapter 16, that's where we'll be this morning. John 16, verses 23 and 24. But as you get there, I'll just kind of back up for a second, because in John 15, Jesus had said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he, he says, Ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you if you abide in me and my words abide in you. And he goes on to say in, in verse 16 that we should go and bear fruit because he's appointed us and our fruit is going to abide in him. And we're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But he then says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. And then here in John 16, verses 23 through 24, he says, In that day, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask, you will receive, that your joy may be full. You know, we're going to look at this whole verse, and there's a lot going on here in these two verses. But for just a minute, maybe we should zoom into that last phrase. Zoom into that last phrase and, and look at what prayer is at its essence. Because at its essence, prayer is recognizing God, recognizing God, and taking a message to him. Prayer is recognizing God and then taking our message to him. You know, God is a personal God, and he wants to interact with us personally. Just like God is a powerful God, and he interacts with us powerfully, God is a personal God. He wants us to bring our questions to him, vent our emotions to him, have a conversation with him, ask things of him. That's who our God is. Prayer is recognizing him and taking a message to him. And so here in Jesus' phrase, he says, Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus starts off by saying, Ask. Which I think sets us up to, to notice the first of 
three things about prayer here in this short phrase. The first, prayer is initiated by God. Prayer is initiated by God. It's recognizing God because he has initiated this conversation with us. You know, we, we might think at first blush that we're the ones who initiate a conversation with God. Right? Like, after all, it's us who maybe says, dear God, or heavenly Father. And, and you might think, like, well, I started this thing. I started this conversation. But, but Jesus here has the first word where he was the one that said, hey, ask. I'm opening up the receiver. All you have to do is start talking. Prayers initiated by God. Jesus invites us to talk to him. Talk to God. And, and really, Scripture commands us to pray. To pray without ceasing. To pray all the time. And, and if we really zoom back even further, anytime any of us have ever had a conversation with God, it has been the Holy Spirit that initiated our heart to turn towards him in the first place. Prayer is initiated by God. When we recognize God, what we're doing is recognizing that he's invited us into that conversation. That's a part of prayer. Prayer is also powerful. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. You will receive because prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. God is powerfully at work. And sovereign over all things. In fact, it isn't that you need to have powerful prayers that make prayers powerful. It's that God is powerful on the other end of those prayers that ultimately is what gives prayer its power. But catch this in the meantime. God chooses to limit and channel his powerful work through the prayer of his people. God is the one who is powerfully at work in prayer, but prayer is powerful because God chooses to work through and when his people pray. I think about, I think about Jonah in the belly of a fish who prayed after three days. It might have taken less time for you and me. Some of us are harder-headed than others, I suppose. Jonah prayed, and then God caused the fish to Release him to the shore. Not the ideal way we would plan our beach vacation. But Jonah prayed and then God acted. I think about Moses praying to God. When God intended, I'm going to take out the nation of Israel. Moses is going to be you and me. We're starting over. And Moses prayed to God. And God relented. God chose to work through the prayer of Moses to continue his work in the nation of Israel as it existed at that moment. Prayer was powerful. I think of Hezekiah, who was on his deathbed, and God said, you're going to die, which is an answer to prayer. Not the one Hezekiah wanted, though. So Hezekiah prayed, and God gave him 15 years longer to live. Prayer was powerful. James puts it this way in, in chapter 5. James goes after this concept of prayer. And, and he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Because Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. 
And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and for six months, it did not rain on the earth. It's a powerful prayer. And then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. That's a powerful prayer. Prayer is powerful. James had earlier written that you have not because you do not ask. You do not have because you do not ask. Prayer is powerful. He also says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Let him pray joyfully to God through music. We see this trend over and over again that prayer is powerful and that the proper response, the proper response to whatever season we are in in life is communicate with God. The right next thing, no matter what we're walking through in life, is to communicate with God. Our personal and powerful God works personally and powerful through and in the prayer of his people. Can we let that sink in? Our personal and powerful God chooses to work personally and powerfully through the prayers of his people. In some ways then, the God who is sovereign over all things, who has had a plan for forever, who can do all things, is like, hey, you're called. What are we doing next? Let's pray. True prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. True prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's not like, God, please, please, just do it this time. God, please, 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 God. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It's discovering his willingness. It's discovering his willingness. True prayer isn't overcoming his reluctance. It's discovering he's so willing. He is at work. He is so powerful. And what he's going to do is for our good. And when it happens, it will be for his glory. And when that happens, we will ultimately receive joy. It's discovering that he's willing to do what's right and what's best. That's what happens when we pray. Results in our joy. Jesus says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Prayers for our joy. Prayers for our joy. We, we talked last week and a few weeks before that about joy, about how as we abide in Jesus, we are filled to the full with his joy, that happy branches, remember? Happy branches are looking back down at the connection, at the gospel-made identity we have in the vine, our vine, Jesus. That's where joy comes from. And prayer is a way to abide in Jesus. Prayer is a way to abide in Jesus. As we pray, it's one way we're discovering the joy we have in him. That our happiness is not limited to our circumstances. That we can have confidence no matter the scenario we're in. In that sense, Prayer is what happens when an attitude of dependence turns into action. Prayer is what happens when an attitude of dependence on God turns into action. We're talking to him, 
revealing the fact that we know it's him that we need. We know it's him who has made us. We know it's him that gives us the joy and the purpose and identity and life. And we know it's him that will work. So, we receive joy as we abide in Jesus through prayer. And this morning, you're going to notice that this sermon feels awfully short. Perhaps not building towards your joy, it's because there's a second half coming later. But we don't want to just talk about prayer this morning. We want to pray. When we see the need, so obviously there, when we're going to be calling you all week long into prayer, we want to pray. And so we're going to open up a time right now of prayer, personally before God. We're going to take maybe four, five minutes. Maybe the way you rolled in this morning, that's going to feel long. I get that. But maybe this structure could help guide your time recognizing God and taking a message to him. We're going to put five steps, five points on screen. This is a contemplative prayer that might help guide the way you talk to God now. I'll set it up quickly. First, what we might do is turn our attention to God, to talk to him and wonder at who he is, to be still before the Lord. And then we're going to review our week with gratitude or your year with gratitude or your life with gratitude. Just skip through some time and realize all that God has done for you and then examine a recent moment. Maybe where you felt most fully alive. And talk to God about that. Ask him what he was doing. Rejoice for that moment. Something that brought joy, brought energy, brought vigor, renewed your soul. Thank him. But then examine a recent moment where you were most drained, where you've been most sad or fearful or sinful. Talk to God about that. Maybe there's some lamenting you need to do or some repenting you need to do. Ask God to show you how then you can choose to trust him, how you can pray towards tomorrow with hope, what you're counting on him for in the days to come, what you know to be true about who God is. And ask him to help you walk that way. So let's pray. Would you join me back in John 16, 23? We really zoomed in on the last phrase there. The last time. And I, I want to move back out and look at the context here. Taking a, a broader picture of what Jesus is talking about in regards to our conversation with him, recognizing God and then bringing a request, a message to him. John 16, 23, he says, In that day, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. What is this passage communicating? What does it mean we can ask the Father in his name, and he will give us whatever we've asked? I mean, is, is God some kind of divine vending machine that 
we use a magic phrase for and bada bing, bada boom, we get what we ask for, right? Like, God bless my church, bless my family, bless my life, bless my favorite sports team, in Jesus' name, amen, bippity-boppity-boo, done. Now God has to do what I ask because I used the magic phrase, right? Like, I put a spell on him. Now he's got to do it. Is that what he's saying? No. No, no, he's not. And he's also not just saying that in Jesus' name, amen, which you've probably heard if you've been around people that pray often a million times, in Jesus' name, amen. He's not just saying that's the Christian way to say peace out to God, right? It's not in Jesus' name, amen, Gesundheit, right? Like, it's not just this throwaway signature at the bottom of your email. Sometimes it's sincerely because you were mean. Sometimes it's best because you were really mean. Sometimes it's love because it's your family. And you had to sign it that way. It's not just a signature. Do we know what it means that we ask God the Father, Jesus says, whatever you ask of the Father, we ask God the Father In my name, in the name of the Son, what does it mean that we ask God the Father, we talk to God the Father in the name of God the Son, in the name of Jesus? Well, he started off by saying, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Jesus had just been sharing, hey, in just a little while, in, in just a little while, I'm no longer going to be with you. In just a little while, you will look for me and I won't be there. In just a little while, I'm ascending to the Father. And so Jesus is getting in front of this. They're going to be entering a new era where they're not going to be physically standing next to him like some of you are physically sitting closer to me than you've ever had to do before. Right? And you're like, in just a little while, Ben won't be spitting on me. This will be to my advantage. And indeed, it will. Jesus is indicating, hey, I'm not going to be here. You've asked all these questions, most of them dumb, most of them not wise, but you've been able to ask of me anything. Soon, in just a little while, you will not ask anything of me because I am ascending to the Father. So in that era, you will talk directly to God the Father. You will talk to the Father. We live in that era today. We don't have Jesus with us physically, so we talk to God the Father as Jesus assumed and instructed. Here we would. You're going to ask the Father. You talk to God the Father. So we pray to God the Father in the name of the Son. That's what Jesus is essentially communicating here. There's a lot to say, but maybe I'll just limit it to this. Let's look at the first half of that phrase. We talk to God the Father. Get it right? Like the creator of the universe, the Lord of lords, the God of the land, earth, sea, universe, all of it. The Lord Almighty. I am that I am. We talk when we pray to him. And there's no need to go to anyone else when you can go to God the Father. Right? But do we get, do we grasp that we talk to God the Father? Is it so out of our mind, 
out of what we're thinking about that we kind of let that go. I, I remember the early days of dial-up internet. Do you? You know, da -da 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 -da. well, it was late 1990 something, right? And and in the Hickson house, we had internet at a single burdensome computer in a room of our house. Those were good days. And every family dinner ended the same way in that season of my life that I remember. Every family meal ended the same exact way because we would get to talking and something would come up inevitably, random or purposeful, it didn't matter, and my mom was a curious type, right? She was the one who had 85 books on request from the local library chain, always reading, always learning. I'm so thankful for the way she modeled that to me. And one of the things that that meant is when we get into a conversation about something, it's no good to just talk about it. She needed to go find out more. It's like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder. I'm going to go Google it. Google was brand new. We were like getting taught how to use the Google, right? And, and she was like enthralled. And we as a family followed her into that joy like, oh, let's discover. What is the answer to that random thing? Because before... We always had to live with the lame reality of my dad saying, well, no, the earth weighs 5,684 pounds. I know everything. That's what it weighs. <laughs> and we had a sneaking suspicion that my dad didn't know everything. But we had no way to prove it. Now we did. And it was incredible. You could go search the Internet, and everything was on the Internet already somehow, Right? Everything was there. We could discover. And it was amazing to go look something up. We still share parts of that joy today. We live in this awesome, crazy world where at every moment you can say, huh, and it's the pocket pull, right? I can find the restaurant. I can find the times. I can find the shows. I can find the answer online. Everything is available online. So we go to the Internet because the Internet has everything. You know, we can go to God who made everything. We can go to God who made everything, right? Like you face that crisis and your first instinct is, well, I'm going to look it up. Or you face that problem, I'm going to look it up. You face that relationship thing like, well, let me look up good skills for, like whatever it is. Do you know we can go to God who made everything? We can pray. We pray to God the Father who made everything. But how do we have access to this God? How do we have access to this God? Because what does God, holy, have to do with sinful people? And, and we know that's not only true, there's a breach, a divide that was far too wide. We've just been rehearsing that truth together in song. God, who is holy, cannot allow sin to go unanswered. We, we know that's a problem, but to be even more specific, God has no natural inclination to listen to the prayers of unrighteous people, of sinful people. <clears throat> In Isaiah chapter 1, the prophet by inspiration says, when you spread out your hands, people of Israel, God's chosen, when you spread out your hands to pray, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. 
God is saying, I, I hear you. I am not inclined to listen. In James, God says through in Scripture, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your, in context, selfish passions. You ask and you do not receive because you ask to spend it on your passions. You've got the wrong motives. You're going for your own desires. So I, I'm not inclined to listen to what you have to say to give you what you ask for. But isn't that us? Aren't we so consistently sinful or selfish? How do we have access to God? Jesus tells us how we pray to God the Father in the name of the Son. We pray to God the Father in the name of the Son. What, what does that mean in Jesus' name? Well, I'm going to break it down at least two ways this morning. It's, a, it's an expression we, we kind of see glimpses of. <clears throat> Pardon me. We see glimpses of it every time someone at your workplace says, well, the boss said we should. Or every time a, a child comes to you and says, well, my other parent told us we were allowed to. Right? It's borrowing someone else's name for their authority, for their experience, for their track record, for their direction. You're referencing under whom and for whom and along with whom you are working or you're advocating or you're asking. That's a glimpse of what this moment is because praying in the name of Jesus means we are praying by his work. We are praying to God, talking to God in light of the work that Jesus has done for us. Jesus provided our standing with God. It isn't because you or I are particularly good at praying. It isn't because you or I have particularly poignant prayers. It isn't because you or I were particularly wanted and loved by God. Though we were wanted and loved by God, we have access to him because of the standing that Jesus provided for us, dying in our place for our sins on the cross. When we repent and believe in him, he gives us his perfection and we have our sin atoned for in God's eyes. We have a right standing before God and his holiness because we have his holiness given to us as a gift by grace through faith. So it's in his name. It's by his work. Also, it's not only because of the standing that Jesus gives us before God, but also Jesus provided our access to him, our access to him. At the moment of the cross, right, God chose to give us the illustration. The temple had a curtain separating God's holiness from all of us. We had no access to him. We had to go through a mediator, but that mediator, the perfect mediator, came and provided access to us by giving us his standing before God, and that temple curtain tore from God's side to our side, top to bottom. We had access to his holiness because of the work of the Son. That's why we hold to a priesthood of all believers that while it's great and necessary, we ought to come alongside each other and pray for each other. You don't need someone holier than you to pray for you when you are in Christ Jesus. You have access to God the Father. Jesus in his work has given us access to God. So we pray in the name of the Son, which means we pray by his work. 
We also pray in the name of the Son, which means for His purpose. We pray for His purpose, towards God's will. You know, praying in the name of Jesus means praying in line with Jesus' purposes for humankind. We're praying in line with His purposes, His will, His desire for humanity. That's how we pray in His will, by His work and for His purpose. Now, admittedly, there's a lot of details there that we can't know. Is this in line with God's purpose? Is this job the right job, or is this problem one I'll overcome? Or how should I approach, and when should I approach this scenario, or this person, or this problem? There are specific details that I can't tell you right away. What is the answer to that? But as I pray for those things, praying in Jesus' name means aligning our heart, aligning our heart more to God's clear purposes than to my current desire. It's wanting to align my heart more to God's clear and already revealed purposes than even my current desire. It's praying for that desire, but aligning my heart towards God's ultimate purposes in the meantime. If you're wondering how you start doing that, I say start where it's clear. The first step is to start where it's clear. So we see clearly in Scripture that we come to God in prayer first, repentant of our sin, being obedient to the things he's already called us to, loving others and sharing his gospel and being busy about the work of generosity. We are saturated in God's word as he's revealed it to us through the Bible, and we're even praying through that saturated word of God. We start where it's clear, and then we ask God to honor that word, honor his promises, to bring glory to himself. That's what we do. We go after the things we already know he desires to do. His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And then when you get to the end of that list, you start back over at the top. You do it again and again and again. And over time, your will and his will are closer and closer together so that as you pray in his will, through your current desire, his will and your desire become the same. He gives you the desire of your heart. He ultimately makes your desire his desire. He makes his desire our desire. John rephrases Jesus this way in his epistle. This is the assurance we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will, that sounds like praying in his name, right? By his work, for his purpose. We ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. We know that we have the request we have asked of him. Get this. Jesus promises Whatever you ask in the Father, to the Father, in the name of the Son, in my name, for my purposes, because of my work, you will have that answer. You will have that request. It will be given. So we pray to God the Father because of the work and along the purposes of the Son, in the name of the Son. And then God answers that prayer every time. God answers that prayer. God powerfully works, choosing to do so because we prayed. It's a solemn promise Jesus makes here. 
He said, truly, truly. Amen, amen. It, it will be so. God intends to work. God will be about his glory. You and I have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to be shaped by God's work as we pray for our joy. That's what prayer is. We should be approaching God constantly, worshipfully, expectantly, asking him to reshape us by his work and along his purposes as we talk to the Father. We have every right and expectation to know as we do that, God reshapes us and works powerfully in our world.